This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is another Astros podcast. Q has been outstanding out of the bullpen for the Astros. Be a starter on most other teams. He's throwing a little bit harder, as you guys have remarked throughout the season. He has not hung his head about that fact that he's not a starter. He's tackled the roll, and he's done it with gusto, and he's just been very efficient. The 1-2. Swing and a miss. Got him on a high fastball, inning over. Colin McHugh with a 1-2-3-9, strikes out two. Colin McHugh, relief pitcher for the Astros. Sounds a little weird to say relief pitcher from what you've been doing in the past few years. How's the transition going so far? Uh, it's been a pretty smooth transition, yeah. um, at least in, in terms of my expectations. Uh, I had done a little bit before I got to the Astros um, with both the Mets and the Rockies, mm-hmm. and it had not gone so well uh, <laughs> when I had done that. So, uh, granted, it was a, it was a while ago, and I'm, I'm a, a different pitcher in a lot of ways uh, now than I was then. But being able to lean on a lot of these uh, these other guys in the bullpen, yeah. guys have been doing it for a long time, Joe and Will and Hector and um, even Peacock from last year doing like, a very similar role to what I'm doing now um, has helped a lot. And so to be able to, you know, really sit and listen and, and kind of figure out what the best practices are down there has been uh, has, has been a, an interesting process. I would imagine, Colin, it's maybe a little resistance, maybe a little hesitation on your part mentally going out of the bullpen for you? I think it was initially, um, just because I've, I've been a starter for so long. Um, and that I, I, I'm not resistant to the idea that it's a demotion out there, but I was... I was hesitant to to jump all in just because um, I know that it could be such a tentative thing. I could be a reliever for two weeks and then yeah. somebody gets hurt and you got to jump right back into a starter uh, starter role. But at this point, with the way our with the way our starters have been throwing and the way our staff in general has been has been performing, um, I, it's it's allowed me to kind of settle into uh, to my role down there and be able to kind of jump in and, and go in head first into getting getting three guys out, yeah. getting six guys out, kind of at the most and. Um, Kind of leaving everything out there for those for those hitters. How is it for just about everybody on the team accepting the roles because you're on such a good team? It's it's huge. You know, I, I think when when you're on not a very good team, uh, guys can you can, do, you can do more. Yeah, you can you can expect more out of yourself. You can um, expect to fill six or seven different roles, maybe as a reliever, as a starter, as a position guy. But here, where we have such an abundance of talent, um, you really do kind of have to buy into the fact that you're you have a lane and you need to you, you can stay in that as and do it as well as you possibly can and with the belief that if 25 guys do that um, there's not many teams in this league that can beat us and that's what we've been able to show and now that you've done both roles well you've been a, a great starter you won 19 games in the season now you're doing fantastic out of the bullpen maybe even increases your value going forward I think, you know, in terms of monetary value, you never know. But in, yeah. in terms of what I can do for a team uh, mm-hmm. to help a team win, I think it it can only help. Um, yeah, I think anytime you can, and we've we've seen it with a lot of position guys this year too, playing multiple positions, yeah. filling multiple roles. Uh, it helps. It helps when you can mix and match and um, match up against different opponents because not everybody's gonna gonna play you the same. And so when we have a team like a team like this with the Royals, who um, 
like lefty righty, lefty lefty righty all the way down the lineup, um, versus a team like uh, you know New York with a lot with righty heavy righty heavy lineup. You know you can do you can do some more things if you've got guys in the bullpen um, who can fill a lot of those different roles, and I think that that's that's what we've shown that we're capable of doing so far. I've done both of those roles, and as a starting pitcher, after you're done with your warm up pitches, you're pretty calm. And now you just have to ease your way into the ball game. Going out to the bullpen is a different story because your adrenaline gets a little higher, your heart rate gets a little quick. How do you manage that? Stuff at first, because yeah. um, like I said, I'm, I'm a pretty methodical guy when it comes to my routine and my preparation, and I think it um, starting lended itself a little bit better, a little more naturally to that to that uh, mindset. So for the bullpen, I think being able to keep my emotions in check and keep my keep my heart rate down when I can, yeah. and just be able to breathe has been uh, has been something I've had to learn slowly but I think at this point um, you know as soon as the phone rings everybody's heart gets going yeah. you know, who's it gonna be and then once you actually get that get out there in the mound you start throwing your warm-up pitches and then you you make the jog out there you really do kind of settle into this is this is the same thing it's the same thing as starting it's the same thing as any other uh, any other role where it's you versus the hitter and you got to get a guy out all right last thing your little boy Shaw is how old now he's two and a half what's he up to right now he's one of the cutest kids I've seen what's he up to uh, he's really he loves he loves baseball. He does. Uh, he does. I, we, me and my wife we we swore we're like we're not gonna push him. We're not gonna we're not yeah. gonna try and make him a baseball fan or a baseball. But you tied player. his right arm to his side and he can only use his left. It's part of how you raise a child, right? That's what you're <laughs> supposed to do. No, he's he just being around the baseball field is kind of. Uh, I think it's just something that for a little kid is is fun. He's, he's around other, his friends. We got a lot of little kids on this team, yeah. so being able to be in the nursery with the kids and being able to get on the baseball field and now kind of being able to put together the idea that dad works at the baseball field and he plays out on the baseball field and um, he's having a good time with it. But we're watching the World Cup right now, so I'm trying to I'm trying to push my soccer passion on him a little bit more too. <laughs> All right, Colin McHugh, always great catching up. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Back with more Astro Lunch right after this. The Houston Astros Radio Network. That ball is gone! Steve Sparks, Robert Ford. And you can kiss it goodbye! This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Gary Pettis, Astros third base coach, also in charge of the outfield play and then the base running as well. And uh, Gary, I want to talk to you about coaching third base because you hear all the time uh, when they're talking about different people to coach at the major league level to coach third base. They always want somebody who's done it before. But sometimes it can be hard to get that experience. How did you first get experience coaching third base? Well, I think the first time I did it was uh, I was with the Chicago White Sox and I was at the uh, Instructional League. Uh, and so as a manager uh, during that time, you know, in the minor leagues, the manager coaches third base. So right. that's how I got my experience. Uh, and then from there, I think it just evolved into uh, me coaching first base uh, for so many years and, and seeing outfielders, how they throw, mm-hmm. you know, which, uh, which way they throw best. Do they throw better going to their right or their left or coming in? And then uh, it evolved to me coaching third base and I saw it a little differently but I still saw the same things Mm -hmm. but and also I think the fact that uh, being a former outfielder uh, lends to me knowing the difficulty on certain balls that are hitting certain areas and so I use that to my advantage as well. 
you know, you were with Ron Washington for a long time on his staff with the Texas Rangers. As you mentioned, coach for first base, then move over, moved over to coach at third base. And you're known as a pretty aggressive third base coach. Ron Washington, when he's been a third base coach, he's been known to be pretty aggressive. Do you feel like you get some of your style from him? Well, I wouldn't necessarily uh, necessarily say style from him, mm-hmm. uh, but I do know that when I did first move to third base, I talked with him a lot about uh, making decisions over there, and one of the things that he told me was when you make a decision, uh, you make it quickly and decisively. Uh, whether you, the runner is safe or out, you, you have to give the guy an opportunity to either run full speed or to stop. And, and that's one of the things that, that stuck with me. Uh, when I see that we have an opportunity to score a run, then we're, we're going to try to do so, especially with the speed that we have on this team. And our guys, uh, they actually know that uh, there's many a times that I'm not going to stop them. And it's hard. You know, you can't tell your team that you want them to run the bases aggressively mm-hmm. if you don't coach aggressively. I do not want them coming to third base and being hesitant about coming around third base wondering what I'm going to do. So I try to let them know early on before they even get to third base that, yes, you are going. Is there an art to giving signs over at third base? Because now with cameras everywhere and obviously people in the other dugout, people are always trying to find an advantage and always looking to to steal signs. No doubt there is. Uh, This being my fourth year here, uh, we haven't had the same set of signs every year so each year I've changed them just because I know that the cameras are watching uh, the coaches the players everybody's watching trying to pick up something and so yeah we, we change them every year do you even have to change them sometimes series to series or if you know there's a former player on another team that you're playing when, when that happens yes we do we, we we put something in just to to throw them off and then uh, sometimes you don't really have to do it because most of the time, they're not paying attention to you anyway. They're, they're more concerned with what they're doing at the plate or playing defense. So, But, yeah, if there's someone that has recently left the ball club, then, yes, we probably try and do something that way. Is there ever, does it ever get to a point where it slows down for you over at third? And what I mean is just because did you ever get to a point where you felt like you had enough experience that, you know, things maybe didn't move so fast and, and that you had a, had a better grip on things? Well, I, I think – like I said earlier, just from, from, from playing the outfield and realizing the timing mm-hmm. of plays, you know, how long it takes for a guy to get to a ball, how long does it take for him to, to release his throw, I think that's what has slowed the game down for me at third base and, and didn't have anything to do with experience as far as coaching third, but just knowing how long and how difficult it is to make a play in the outfield, I think that has helped me a lot. You don't see teams take infield anymore like you used to right before games. And I know a lot of times players and coaches would kind of watch infield to get an idea of guys throwing arms. But now I'd imagine with so much video and, and a lot of these teams you see multiple times, that probably makes it a little easier. Oh, no doubt. I always, before each series, I go in and I take a look at uh, the throws that the outfitters have made and, and see, like I said earlier, which way they throw the ball the best. Is it going to their right? Is it going to their left? Or is it coming straight in? Or uh, how accurate their throws are? You know, is the ball sinking to the right or is he cutting it and pulling it to the left? So those are things that I that I look for, which I think helps, because when you're under pressure, you're going to do what you always do. And so if your throw is a sinker going to the right, that's what's going to happen. If you cut it to the left, then that's what's going to happen also. So anytime an outfitter is under pressure, he's going to throw the ball the way he normally would. 
Gary Pettis talking about the art of coaching third base. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. We're going to have a special guest in the top of the third inning. The Astros just announced uh, they signed Jason Schroeder, right-handed pitchers, in the second round. Drafted one of the few high school players that the Astros drafted and signed. Jason, exciting to have you here. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Must have been a big day for you and your family to get that that uh, contract inked. Yep, feel, feels great. Can I borrow a little money? I need a new truck. <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, tell, let's talk about pitching. I mean, a lot of people talked about you being one of the best pitchers in all of the Northwest uh, this last year as a high school prospect. How hard do you throw? Uh, normally like low to mid-90s. Peaked at like 97 this year. Did you really? Yeah. So played a lot of summer ball. You went to some of the showcases and things like that? Yeah, I think area code was the big one where I got noticed and put me on the map kind of. Count goes 3-0 and on Herrera. One out, no score. Go ahead, Robert. And at what point, because you had a velocity spike at one point in your high school career, right? You didn't always throw this hard. No, I feel like it's always progressed pretty steadily over the year. It's only been two to three miles an hour per year. Okay. Just but gradually just start throwing harder and harder. Yeah, I just kind of kept making that jump as I obviously physically matured and everything. So by the time you're 30, you'll be throwing 150 miles an hour, so that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. Michael delivers and catches the outside corner. It's a full count. What, uh, how hard was it for you to, to not honor your, your college commitment? Where were, you, where were you committed, Washington? Yeah, I was committed to Washington. It was, it was pretty hard watching them in college World Series and everything. Yeah. But, um, I feel like I made the best right decision for me and my family. And High chopper to the left side. Bregman's got it. A little spin around and a good throw to first base for the second out. So have, have the Astros told you yet what their plan is for you, at least to, to start off? Uh, the Florida Gulf Coast League. Okay. So that's where I'll start. So you're heading down to West Palm Beach here pretty soon? Yep, fly out tomorrow. Are you ready for that heat? Um, you you didn't grow up in it. Have you played in some of that humidity? I've played it a couple times, but it's definitely going to take some getting used to. Yeah. We talked about uh, a lot of young pitchers sometimes that throw hard like you do, Jason. What's been the the secondary pitch that's been most effective for you? Because you almost had two strikeouts per innings pitch in high school. Yeah, it's been, yeah, just kind of developing – uh, the curveball and slider, the two different so ones. So you have both of them. Yeah, just depending on the day. But it's just for me, it was developing, developing them into two different, like, distinct pitches mm. more than anything. Give it a little, little different shape. Yeah. Two balls and no strikes to Mike Mustakis, no score. And there's a tapper foul, two balls and one strike. So you love the Mariners, I would imagine, growing up in Washington, right? Yeah. Hated like the, the Astros? Um, Did you hate the Astros? No, I didn't. A little bit? Didn't have much... I like Astros now, honestly. So, so who did you love on, on the Mariners team? Uh, I like Felix Hernandez. It was just oh, cool yeah. watching him progress throughout his career, and he's pitched great for the Mariners, obviously. So do you ever go to the, any of the Mariners games at Safeco? Yeah, I'll go to a couple every now and again, but nothing too crazy. When you go out there and watch a major league game, do you ever imagine yourself going out there and doing this? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it's cool just to see the differences between – the pitcher throwing now and me, it's like, I can do that. It's just they're so much more refined and everything. There's a line drive by Moustakis, caught by Gurriel at first base, and that'll do it for Kansas City. Jason Schroeder, 
Congratulations. You take off for Florida tomorrow. Best yep. of luck. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for joining us. The Houston Astros Radio Network. And Alex Lyons is in the left center field. That's a base hit. Fisher around third and coming home. The throw to the plate. Not in time. Astros win. Astros win. Robert Ford. He's a baseball player. Alex Bregman. Steve Sparks. That's how you play baseball. The Houston Astros Radio Network.